Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you as always from beautiful Lexington, Kentucky. This is episode eight, round two of the Americans in Scotland Roundtable. This is a conversation recounting our tales getting to Carnoustie, playing around on the world's hardest golf links, and the incredible experience we had afterwards off the course there in Carnoustie. We also recount our day at a golf house club at Ely and what was probably our most joyful rounds of golf and the incredible hospitality that that club bestowed upon us and why you should make it a point to get there if you have the opportunity at all. Before then, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is a proud member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows. You can find the full list over at TalkingGolf.com. Uh, there you'll find some great golf podcasts, including uh, one of my favorites, the Good Good Golf Podcast. That's with Rod Morey and Adrian Logue. Uh, their recent interview with architect Ian Andrew reminded me of a lot of the reasons that I love golf and how it can be really a simple game and a simple experience and how that's better. So I would check that out if you've got any inkling at all. As always, you can interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod. You can find my thoughts and writings online over at OneBeardedGolfer.com, and you can interact with me directly on Twitter at OneBeardedGolfer. As a reminder, this podcast is sponsored by me, and only me. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors, a Berkshire Hathaway affiliate. I have a focus both on helping homeowners buy and sell their homes, and also working with investors and business people in the commercial uh, office space. So if you've got a real estate question, you can find me at davidhill.rhr.com. Be happy to discuss whatever questions you might have. Uh, now back to the roundtable. This week's discussion contrasts our memories and experiences through a lot of laughs and a couple of insights into what makes Carnoustie and Ely such special places. Uh, day one of this starts with another revealing tale of the, the nitty-gritty of getting around Scotland via public transportation again. And concludes with the incredible luck of ours in deciding to grab a late lunch at the Carnoustie Club off property from the golf course. We eventually move on to talk about why we loved Ely so much, what made it such a fun golf course to play, and why it's a place that we'll always remember with a smile. So these roundtable discussions are a lot of fun for us. I hope you're enjoying listening along, uh, not only to glean some entertainment and maybe a chuckle, but also some useful information should you ever head abroad to Scotland on a golf trip. So without further ado, here are Matt and Fred and I with round two. Okay, and I'm joined once again by my friends and Scottish golf trip compatriots, Matt Cheney and Fred May. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. Thank you again for joining me. And what I wanted to, I guess, relive and talk about a little bit today was, first of all, our Carnoustie Day. Um, the only thing I can compare to it, it, it's a trains, planes, and automobiles type situation, um, except no airplanes. And if anyone has seen Rules of Attraction, the Victor sequence, when he <laughs> just kind of goes fast cuts through Europe, that's what I feel like looking back. Um, if you recall, we started the day in Edinburgh. And how nuts did you think I was when I suggested we took the 5.30 train, at 5.30 a.m. train? Because I, I thought it through, and if we took the 7 o'clock up to Carnoustie, nothing could go wrong. We had no margin for error, and we might be running to make a tea time, which, you know, trade that versus an hour and a half of sleep. Um, what do you remember about that morning? Well, I remember that uh, I, I thought you were a little bit nuts when I first heard of the uh, time of departure. And then in the middle of the departure, I thought you were considerably more nuts. Uh, and then once we got there, I figured that you know, maybe it wasn't such a bad idea. I, uh, I remember going back to the room um, when we finally got back from our from our adventure to uh, North Barrick, and we get to our rooms, we're settled in, uh, we're getting ready to to hunker down in for that early wake up call, and I look over at 
I look over at Matt and I said, what time are we getting up again? And he says, and I was like, oh, man, that's going to be brutal. And I swear my eyes were closed for 15 minutes. I don't, I don't know that you finished that sentence either. You were, uh... Oh, I was I was roasted. Um, but uh, yeah, but I, I really don't think that the day could have uh, probably the one of the, the best days of the whole trip just start to finish not not counting the, the the golf itself but i mean the whole thing is just i mean it was great the the whole experience of getting the coffee at the train station dave that uh, nothing was open except except the two different the two different rest kiosks there we got coffee and the gentleman on the train was was awesome. Oh, I forgot about coming back and forth. Yeah, Father Time going up and oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, guy. He, yeah. He did that job as well as he could. But what Fred is talking about is there's a what would you call him a porter maybe? Uh, yeah, he he had a little coffee cart, and since we were the only people on the entire train. At 5.30 in the morning, heading north out of Edinburgh, he just kind of walked past us over and over again. I guilt-bought a cup of coffee. I mean, I, I – <laughs> that way he could you know, go – he could say something besides excuse me or pardon me as he went by. Yeah. Um, now, one thing I do apologize for, that walk from the Carnoustie train station to the club, I underestimated that vastly. You know, we are we have checked out of our hotel at this point. It was a one night only hotel because we're going to do base camp in St. Andrews. So not only are we drag, do we have golf clubs with us, we have them in our hard cases, our travel cases, and we're dragging everything we own, our luggage with us. How I know I went back and looked how many yards it is. It's it's basically a par five and and a, a short par three. How far do you think it was of that walk at six in the morning? With a twenty mile an hour wind already howling. Oh, I was about to say you're, you're telling me it's a it's a par five and a short par three, and I'm telling you you're a damn liar. Is what yeah. it was. It was every bit of seven miles uh, at least. You know, I, I was convinced until I, I accounted for the wind. I was convinced we were just going to wake the whole town up. Someone was going to throw fish up. Oh man! Um, because those those travel cases, I think that killed my suitcase. You know, it it finally gave out later in the trip. It exploded, but I think all the jostling of those cobblestone streets was more than than we should have taken. Uh, we were a three we were a three man marching band going down through there at six o'clock in the morning. I mean, every 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 house had to hear us coming down that road. The 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 noise alone from the travel cases, and then my occasional outburst of cussing. Because I couldn't stay on the darn sidewalk. My bag would fall off. Skinniest uh, sidewalks in the history of, uh, of sidewalks. <laughs> Finally, I just I just threw up my hands. And like I said last time, you know, bless bless Matt's heart. You know, he would he was right on your tail and he looked over his shoulder every like, you know, 10 yards to make sure I was still behind you guys. And he saw my frustration and he's like, hey, David, 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 hold on a second, David. And so you finally stopped, and and I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it the rest of the day. I was like so frustrated right there. Oh, Fred, there there'd be a hell of a lot of paperwork involved if we lost you somewhere. So <laughs> that would be true. It'd be a lot. It'd be be a be a somber day, I tell you. There you go. What was impressive about Carnoustie, you know, they've got that big, gigantic, modern clubhouse. And what was really impressive about it was all the security we had to go through to put our bags up. <laughs> didn't, didn't the, we scared the hell out of that lady. Then poor cleaning lady. Yeah. So we walk up and it's like, I'll knock and see because all the lights are off except for a couple. And like, oh, maybe it's, oh, look at that. That door opens. Oh, look at that. This door opens, yeah. too. Fellas, come on. Let's, let's go put our stuff in the locker room. <laughs> There's nobody inside. We put our things away in the locker room and walk back out, and this poor lady running the vacuum almost has a coronary incident on the second floor. Yeah. Um, I mean, what did, what did the guy say that that clubhouse cost, like 14 million pounds or something like oh, yeah, that? Something insane. I think he called it a travesty. Yeah, he called it a travesty. And um, obviously they did not have enough, you know, they didn't have an extra 50 pounds for some door locks because nothing was locked. No locks for the doors. 
Yeah, we just walked straight in. In in beautiful, true Scottish fashion, she couldn't have been nicer once she, you know, (laughs) picked her heart up off the ground after it leapt out of her chest. Oh, no problem, boys. Yeah, put put it wherever you need. No problem. How'd you guys get in here? Through the door? (laughs) (laughs) Through the door? I pointed at you, Dave. I think. I mean, I know we're American and all, but I'm pretty sure it works the same. I just stood there and pointed at you, Dave. I was like, I followed him. I'm, I'm the one they have nightmares about, trust me. Um, but I'm glad we got up there early because that breakfast, We so we scamper next door uh, while they turn the lights on at the Carnoustie Pro Shop, and we go to the Carnoustie, the, the hotel there right on property. And remember, it was just that tartan plaid everywhere, chairs, rug, and what Matt and I have discovered was probably the best granola we've ever had. Like, oh my goodness! All the buffet, all the buffet breakfasts were the same the whole trip, but that one set the tone. You know, fruit, yogurt, um, granola. I went the extra shell. I went ahead and got the haggis out of the way. I remember that. Not not as terrible as everybody says, but I wouldn't eat it regularly. Could do it, could not do it. Um, but did you feel better about our upcoming round or worse as we sat there sipping coffee, watching people tee off sideways uh, with the wind? Oh, I, I definitely, I definitely remember Matt and I on the other, you know, the the same side of the table looking out at the course, and um, we made several comments about, hey, uh, you see that flag over there? that thing's really whipping. Uh, and, uh, I think Matt said, yeah, it's, it's just the morning time. It'll, it'll die down. I was like, okay. But it was me trying to keep Fred's head in the game a little bit. That was sketchy. No, my favorite was watching the, watching the boys that were uh, up there in age, get out there, you know, no caddies, no nothing, just a, just a, you know, normal Tuesday afternoon or morning or whatever. And yeah, going to go out and play Carnoustie and hit the ball somewhere and go chase it down. And they didn't seem to have any problems at all out there. So yeah, hardest yeah. golf course in the world. No, no fear in, in the old guys, which is really no, was great absolutely. to see. Um, speaking of old guys, we had one kind of old guy, one middle-aged guy and one young guy. That was our first caddy experience. That was my first solo caddy experience. And what a cast of characters. Oh, my God. Mm. Wait, wait, which one of you had the young guy? Was that Fred? No, that was me. Oh, that was you, you had the wisecracking whippersnapper. Fred, gun to your head, gun to your child's head. What was your caddy smoking all day? Oh, it, it had to be the funkiest herb that's grown in Scotland, man. I mean... It's not allowed in the States. Whatever it is, is not allowed over here. I mean, it only, I mean, it took probably four holes. And he's like, hey, do you mind? And I, I, I was like, what do you mean? I look over and he's like rolling up something. And I was like, oh, no, I guess not. Yeah, that's cool. I was like, wow. Yeah. He rolling, was a trip. Rolling his own smokes. And I had a guy that played on a Walker Cup team, Lindsey Mann. You can look him up from, I think, the 83 Walker Cup team. Great player. Um, he did make the mistake of saying on the first tee that I was his last loop for the year. So I was like, oh, great. So he is he is wholly invested. Um, but I thought that the caddy experience, we had guys that kind of matched our personalities pretty well. And I loved it. I thought they did a, a great job, really. probably. Well, I, don't, I don't think it could have worked out better. I really don't. The, you know. Fred really needed the the guy rolling his own stuff. I needed the guy who was going to make fun of me when I couldn't get out of the bunker. You needed the guy that would sit there and plot intricately for five minutes over over a shot while I was not getting out of a bunker. No, I, I I really don't think it could have worked out better. You know the yes, you had the fun the fun caddy. Uh, I don't know how much he actually helped you with your golf, but. Um, you know that was. I would recommend to people if they're going to Carnoustie, especially if it's their first time playing, definitely spend whatever it was, seventy-five dollars or so for a caddy. Uh, it was worth every pound. Worth every pound. Absolutely. I don't. I don't know that I lost a ball there. I may have lost one. I tried, but you know those those guys saved us uh, more than once. You know when it comes to the actual courses, I may have loved the golf, the pure golf at Carnoustie the most. You know, I don't think there were any 
there wasn't a time that I could turn my brain off getting around that course. You had to think through, or I did, you had to think through every shot before I hit it. And, you know, the, the caddy helped because he, he cut a lot of that math out. But uh, what were your impressions of, of making that loop? I probably, I mean, the old course is the old course. And, you know, there's there's so many just sort of picturesque historical moments as you're standing there on that. But I think uh, pound for pound, I probably left with more memories of, like you said, having having to work from a golf perspective, walking out of Carnoustie than I did anywhere else. I think that course does more with the ground that it has. I mean, it's everything's tight. This is not, you know, for as not sprawling as as the old course is, and obviously it uses its space very well. I thought Carnoustie did very much the same. I mean, it was, you know, you really don't travel that much distance between anything, right? Um, and yet you don't feel like you're playing the same hole over and over again, or even next to another hole. You could you could easily put blinders on and have every hole be something totally unique even though you're 45 yards off of where you just were on a different hole and it's completely different yes and turning you know the the core of the routing makes such a great use i don't think we ever played with the same wind two holes in a row which is incredible for as you mentioned how tight that that course is fred what was your what vibe did you take away from the course I think it's much like you guys had, you know, you, you had to, you know, you had to, you, you had to know where your ball was going. Right. I mean, we all hit some wayward shots and it took us a while to, well, some of us started off, you know, great. Like Matt, I think Matt was just par after par after par at the beginning. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't find the club face to save my life for like four holes. Um, but man, you know, every, Every shot you you had to kind of you kind of had to know where you're going, right? I mean, and the the layout was great. I think I enjoyed. Now, I think probably my favorite course that we played probably wasn't Carnoustie, or I guess I want to say wasn't Carnoustie. But I have, as Matt said, more fond memories and more good memories of of that round that we had that day than I do anywhere else. I mean, I totally enjoyed Ely. I loved that course. I thought it was great, you know. But um, but. Carnoustie was 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 Carnoustie. There was a lot. I had a I had built that up a little bit in my head. You know, Carnoustie. It's the it's the hardest course in the in the planet, right? Um, so I was I was eagerly expecting it, and it did not disappoint. I've never had so much fun making a seven or an eight as I did Carnoustie. <laughs> you know, I got right. I got stuck in the spectacle bunkers. I got. You know, I got caught in a bunker on 15 trying a hero shot from being out of position, and that's really what it was. My caddy said to me a couple of different times, said, hey, you know, if we were if you were playing in a metal competition or a club comp, I'd put a pitching wedge in your hand and say hit it over here. But here's your hybrid. Go for it. You know, just you know, kind of having that fun uh, tourist round. And when when I didn't pull it off, I paid a steep, steep penalty being out of position and having, you know, a bunker or a bad angle. But, you know, that stuff was really fun. And it really, like I said, really made my mind work, which in a good way. I didn't feel beat up walking off that course. No, no. Um, I, I would like to take a minute, if I can, to, to tell you probably my favorite um, non-golf moment of the trip. And it was on Carnoustie, and I believe it was on number nine. Um, it was Matt Cheney's uh, golf shot. Uh, he was. I don't remember bunker. anything about that hole, Fred. I have no. Yeah. Record. I don't even think we well, played number nine. You know no, what? No. Good for you. Dave's recording this, and you'll be able to hear about it for the rest of your life. <laughs> so, so Matt is a little further than I am, uh, um, and he's in a in a in a bunker on the right side of the fairway. And um, I am I'm up on the the slope of the of the bunker, but not in the bunker. Uh, so the ball's probably like maybe a foot above my feet, and I'm trying to talk to my caddy, and I want to hit a shot, and he's trying to talk me out of it. Well, Matt is in the bunker, and he's just going to come out sideways. And his young whippersnapper 
you know, caddy that we have already talked about is looking in his bag and he's like, where's your sandwich? And Matt says, I don't have one. <laughs> and he looks at, he's like, you don't have one. He's like, no, just give me the wedge. He's like, you're going to hit a wedge. And he's like, oh yeah, I do it all the time. So he gives him the sandwich and I'm standing there and Matt proceeds to hit this ball pretty much in the equator, I believe. And it comes out of that bunker and it hit, it goes Dave, you're on the other side of the fairway, so it's like coming at you. But it hits a this pine tree, 55 feet in the air. I mean, this is a tall pine tree, and he plops right into. I mean, if he hadn't hit that pine tree, he may have been on the next course down the road. Yes. And it comes straight down, and he never gets out of those trees all the way up. He's in a little burn, and and Matt. <laughs> right, there's Matt an eight inch just, ditch. <laughs> yeah, Matt is just Matt is just fuming. You can That's just it. see it. Best damn shot I hit on that hole, on that entire hole, was hitting it out of the out of the water in the bottom of the ditch. When when are you going to get a chance to do that again? So, yeah. why not? The look, the look, the look. Sorry, Dave. The look on Matt's caddy's face when Matt's in his pre-shot routine. He says, "Oh no," he's like, "I do this all the time." <laughs> and he hits that, he hits that tree. <laughs> what, what do you hit that pitching wedge, Matt? About 125? Because I'm pretty sure you uh, would have. <laughs> given given that uh, there was about 40 yards worth of room between me and the out of bounds, yeah, I'd say I would have hit it about a buck 20. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, I got shoot. all of that one, David. You, you did. I remember three or four putting that green. My chili was running hot. All of a sudden, we turned towards the halfway house on South America. And I hit the biggest ball. I think I might have hit the whole trip. So there was a satisfaction in parting that. But how good were all the little treats from that halfway house? The caddies could not wait to get in there. Oh. Soup. Yeah, was it tomato, potato? It's, well, and here's the beautiful thing. So you walk into a half, uh, you know, the, the shed there at the turn, which actually is after 10 at Kearney's And it's, you know, it's 40 some odd degrees with a 20 plus mile an hour wind. It's cold. And, you know, the boys have been walking and, and they basically drop the bags and sprint into the shed. And so Fred and I meander in after them and we come to find they all ordered the soup. Well, when when all the locals get there and they order the soup, you order the soup. I don't know what kind of soup it is. It doesn't matter at that point. You order the damn soup. And so, you know, Fred and I both order it. And then one of us looks at the other and goes, so, so what, what did we just order? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's good. Yeah, it was some sort of like tomato lentil sort of thing, very, very British kind of thing that I would never order normally. Um, it was the best damn soup I think I've ever had in my life. It was phenomenal. So my question to you, Matt, is you're you're more of the culinary expert than I am. Is it still considered soup if you eat it with uh, if you have to chew it and you don't use a spoon? <laughs> it was, uh, it's, it, it was I think over there. Yes, it's still a soup okay. over there. Here it's you know stew, gravy, something. But over there, yes, absolutely qualifies as soup. Yeah, no no, was, cr- no crackers in that. Uh, no. no, it was awesome. I mean, it was it was great. And the little, what about the little lady that was behind the uh, behind the counter? She was giving all the caddies all kinds of grief, and Matt's caddy didn't have any money, so he was like, yeah, he was like, hey, can I put this on my uh, tab? She's like, today's your last day. He's like, oh, well, what do you mean? <laughs> so he was great. He was like loading his pockets up, man. He left like he was a squirrel packing away for winter. Sandwiches. Oh yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah, he was ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, that that little place was was cool. And, you know, as Matt, like you mentioned, that was after 10 and not nine. But I feel like that's the right place from a, a routing perspective, because the holes got a, got more interesting after that that clubhouse. You know, I hit a I hit a shot that almost came back at us um, right after that. But, you know, after probably the 12 you know, each hole had something really memorable about it. Uh, you had, uh, I guess, 12 green is tucked, you know, behind that little dune. 13 had that huge bunker in the front that you both were into, and I barely skirted over that little par three. 
Um, yeah, I've, I also don't remember that Dave, at all. Yeah, you had a, you had a few chances. The more times you hit the ball, Matt, the more fun you have. It's it's as as my caddy said that my that guy hitting fourth is really good, <laughs> really really good coming out of there. Um, yeah, you know, then we get to the spectacle bunkers, which I w- ended up right in for my second shot. That was how was the rest of that hole? Because I never got out of the left rough through those bunkers. I think that had a double green. You know, they had a, that sneaky double green. Uh, did they just have the one at Carnoustie that you remember? I believe yeah, I think so. so. That's more. Yeah, that was more of an old course thing. I don't remember it. Yeah, at Carnoustie. Um, you know, getting back towards the the clubhouse, that really cool par three sixteen. That was that might have been my favorite Ooh. hole there. With that big pushed up green all by itself. Um, not your not your favorite, Fred? Oh no, I like that one. That was that was fun. That was I was actually playing some pretty good golf there. Uh, once we made the turn, I, I kind of found my game a little bit, and uh, so I have some fond memories of that of those closing holes a little bit. Yeah, seventeen ate my lunch, but eighteen was fun coming back in. Just you know, almost a sense of hey, we survived that. Uh, there was some camaraderie there. What I found about that, what makes that course great, I think, and and like better than you think it's going to be, is that it sits right on the North Sea, and they don't use the North Sea at all. They, That's right. You know, they they have it's the hardest course in the world, and the Barry Burn is the only water on a couple of holes. And, you know, they find a way with, with the ground that they have there to, you know, to make this thing so challenging with, again, without using the North Sea, which is right there at their doorstep. And without, again, it's not manufactured. None of it's, you know. That's the, right. You know, you could smell the sea, but you couldn't see it. And we couldn't hear it for the yep. wind. No. And it's not like it is built amongst massive dunes. It's not like it's got the big landforms that North Berwick has down at, you know, nine or ten or the right. the, the elevation change that Ely had or um, you know, the castle course. It really is angles, um, you know, hazards of you know, the mm-hmm. bunkers. The bunkers are the most penal they have to be the most penal oh. in the world. But it was you know, a real deal. If you're in the wrong spot there's, I mean, you always have a chance that you can try the aerial game, but there's a lot of taking your medicine. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there was yeah for having very few natural features other than some of those very small dunes. Yeah, it was a again, my brain never shut off that entire round. You had to think no. about every shot. No, that's for sure. And you know, it's it, it was and everything. The way that the reason they could do it is because it's. Everything is just so well placed. The angles are perfect because it was designed that way. The bunkers are where they're supposed to be because it was designed that way. And you know, it's a, you said it in the in the previous discussion we had. It's like that piece of land was put on, on the earth for this purpose. You know, you and, say that, and they use it as well as you can. You say that, but they wouldn't build that course today. They would go up, you know, that the, the championship course is mm-hmm. in between the other two. If you were building yeah. today to try to get the, the tourist dollar or the wow factor, you'd go up on the dunes where you had a view of the sea and you were a little mm-hmm. bit more exposed to the elements. Um, but that's the, yeah. you know, that's one of the quote unquote other courses there that's up on those yeah. hills. So uh, yeah, almost you'd, you'd run it, you'd run it along the coast there. Yeah, and every, everybody would everybody would take pictures, and it'd be postcards, and it'd be you know Instagram famous. Um, you know, like kind of like they did with the castle, right? Castle course. Right. Yeah, you'd build the castle course. You'd build Carnoustie out there on the sea, and it'd be more like the castle course. It would, although yeah, it, linksy. You know, the castle is not yeah, a links yeah. course. It's up no, on no. on a bluff. Um, but yeah, Matt, that's a very good point. That it's. Um, yeah, it, it's different. It would be different today if you were, if somehow you had that plot of land and said, okay, build us some some golf courses here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, here's a that way, but here's a question for both of you. If you had to go back 
and you could play, you know, any of the courses that we played. Let's let's narrow it down. Let's say that we could go back and we could play the old course, or we could play Carnoustie. Which do you pick? Carnoustie. Having, pick- having having already played both, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I do too. I think that goes back to your question that you sent to us uh, a couple months ago, Dave. You know, if we were if we were ever go back, would it be dependent on playing the old course? And I think Matt and I both answered back relatively quickly that no, that we would go without playing the old course again. Now, I, I would I would say that you know the old course was the biggest part of the draw. You know, when when this trip first opened up, you know. It was like, oh my gosh, we get to play the old course. Going and playing it, I mean, you know, that's that's for a golfer, for a golf fan, that's hallowed ground, right? I mean, that's that's as hallowed as you can get it, right? Maybe that, next to Augusta. Wrong. If you told me I could go up and play it tomorrow, I'd be thrilled to do so. I'd play exactly it anytime I got the chance. It just wouldn't be the reason, right? You know? I agree. I agree. I would play it again too, Matt. I mean, I'm everything you just said. I totally agree with. But I mean, Carnoustie was it was different somehow. Um, you know, you, we've seen them on TV, both of them, probably as mm-hmm. as much as we have. You know, we've seen them both equally, right, on TV. And you know, we you always sit there and you have your favorite holes that you see on TV, and um, you know, seeing those holes at at St Andrews was awesome, right? I mean, it was awesome. Playing seventeen was was awesome, you know. Um, but man, there was just something. Still thinking about, there was just something that I got from from Carnoustie that that I would I would definitely want to do again. And you know, I think sitting here listening to you guys talk about it, I think there's a perception element to it to our expectations. You know, when you when you see it on TV, everyone talks about how. St. Andrews is one of the friendliest golf courses in the world. You know, you've got to think your way around. It's not terribly long. You don't mm-hmm. have to hit the ball in the air. You, they talk about when they go back and play Carnoustie for the Open, it's Carnasty. It's mm-hmm. Vandervelt. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest course in the world. And so we, you know, we got around there, and one of our caddies said, you know, you guys are probably top 10% of all the Americans that come over and play this course, which was laughable because we were all on our way to posting around a 90. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to, you know, there was almost a sense of, hey, I survived Carnoustie. I don't, and I don't feel awful. I didn't embarrass myself, and that was kind of, that was a merit badge almost at Carnoustie. Whereas the old course is. You know, the way it it's you – know, because we don't play the tips there. Tourists don't play the, the back tees. So it's built on having, you know, such a different experience than Parkland-style golf or any other golf course. I mean, really. So there's – I think that plays into it as well. You know, I got more satisfaction playing Carnoustie. St. Andrews, the old course is a much cooler experience. Again, the hallowed ground, all the history, uh, the, the cultural – heart and soul of that whole town but you know Carnoustie just had a different vibe to it and and that's uh, yeah now the next time we start planning a trip I'm going to fill out a ballot for the old course lottery mm-hmm. don't you worry sure. I mean even, sure. even if we're going oh. even if we're going over to Prestwick in the, the west side of Scotland we can make that train ride <laughs> the old course is worth a, no, a big train ride I'm really grateful um you know, our caddies were all members of the Carnoustie Club, which has their little separate clubhouse right across the street. Um, so, and, you know, rather than try to hurry and get nine holes in again at, at one of the other courses, uh, I guess we're starving at that point because you'd had soup and I had coffee and I think a biscuit or something at the, the halfway house. But how cute was that little clubhouse? I mean, if you if you have the chance, it, it's apparently free to all guests. If you're a member for the day, you really are a member. Um but the Carnoustie Club right across the street really just – they treat you like you own the place, just walking in the door. Could not have been nicer. That was – was, man, that was a great end to that, that day. Uh, it was good food and, you know, the – was it, is it the captain? Yeah, Dave? the captain that, of the club was basically yeah. playing maitre d'. He says, you know, come in, welcome, go have – order you some food, uh, eat, and then I'll show you the, the Ben Hogan Museum we've got in the back. Like, okay. This is perfect. I mean, 
as Matt said many times, you know, he could not have been more friendly. You know, uh, every every place we went, you know, we say that, you know, everybody was so friendly and and he was he was off the charts. I mean, he's I think I think it was interesting. You know, those guys have a connection to that course. Right. And it's their course. And you can tell they have a lot of pride in that. And they they want to show you what they have. Um, and it's not in a boastful way. It's in a it's it's in a come and you know, hey, come and look and, and share in in our memories, right? Yeah, it we, was we think it this was is gonna awesome. be fun. We love this, we think you will too, that kind of Yes. You know. Yeah. Well and that's and that's one of the things that I loved about Carnoustie is that you know, St. Andrews is a, it's phenomenal, don't get me wrong. It is a much larger setup, right? It's it is there's a lot more going on there. Carnoustie is kind of this, you know, small to to medium sized town on the coast that without this golf course, I don't think would be anything near what it is. Um, no, you know, our, our the, mentioned that that you know the economy has not been great there for a long time, and it, you're exactly right. It's a it's an intimate setting. Um, you know those guys are proud of what is what they've got and what's still there. I would never gamble against anybody that was a member at Carnoustie. If you can play that course, uh, if, if you're if you're a if you're a two handicap there, you're a two handicap everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> that travels there, right? <laughs> um. But yeah, the the you know that town would just be a, a stop on the train line north up to Aberdeen, but for that club. And you know, and they're not. It was interesting. They they were so, I guess, resentful of you know that big shiny space age mm-hmm. clubhouse that they yep. built just to host the tournament. I mean, that's essentially all that can be. Um, very modern facility, Carnoustie, big shiny, clean, um, decidedly. Oh, yeah, we had the uh, the indoor practice facility where that we hit some balls before the round into the into the screens. Yeah, that was that was nice. I mean, it, it was all modern technology, but it wasn't. It didn't match the course. No. That, that course is a a player's course. It's a, a a working man's course. Not necessarily blue collar, but you know the members there work for a living. Um, felt like so. Mm-hmm. I, I was. In hindsight, I went there thinking, okay, we can play Carnoustie and then maybe get nine holes in on one of the other courses because they got three courses right there. I'm so glad we didn't. I'm so glad that hunger won out over ambition. Um, the caddies trashed that Carnoustie clubhouse so bad. I remember that we asked them, hey, where should we get some lunch? They said, not there. Uh, <laughs> anywhere but the rookery. Yeah, that's right. Anywhere but the rookery. The rookery. Yeah. They they were they were not they were not big fans, but man, going across the street there was just phenomenal. I mean, that guy was so nice, and looking at all those pictures and you know all the history they had there, and the picture of your of Lindsey back there when he was on the Walker Cup team. Yes, I mean best, best golf fun. mustache since Corey Pavin for sure. Oh man, that was rocking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. shades of Tom Selleck. Yeah. You know, I bet, I bet in his 20s he was the hottest thing in that town. <laughs> That's oh, right. yeah. He'd made a Walker thinking. Cup. He had that. He had those flowing locks and that stash. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. You know he was rocking that mullet. Oh, oh yeah. Hard. Oh, <laughs> with a big old chain on underneath of that, underneath his collar. Whew. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the ride back from Carnoustie to St. Andrews, that's where we learned the value of cabs, um, where I had my, my first inklings that, you know, this public transportation thing, it wasn't just a fluke about the train to North Berwick. It, it We're really going to have to do something else because getting on the train at rush hour back towards Edinburgh was – the little the little porter lady she got more and more nervous as more people kept getting on and we have we're taking up like two tables just with our golf clubs and our luggage alone she wanted us gone and fast mm. um, I'm trying to think that was 
Uh, yeah, cabs out to – oh, we had another father. We had the oldest cab driver in the history of St. Andrews take us out <laughs> to get the key to the house. I almost forgot that guy. Um, yeah, Fred, you were fast friends with him. Told to try to get us in trouble with the owner's wife. That was no fun. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. How about the? I mean, the the train ride, you know, to St. Andrews was one thing, but what about that bus ride that we took? Mm-hmm. Remember the bus we took from the train station to St. Andrews? Yeah, that that's my bad. We should have spent the twelve pounds for a cab. That thing was. Oh. In, in retrospect, yes. Oh man, I thought for sure I was gonna fly. I was gonna lose lose my grip on that, you know, skinny little metal bar and go flying through the front window. So did everyone else. They were watching us and watching our luggage and our clubs like hawks. Like these these Yankees are gonna kill somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, if you have your choice, don't take the bus. Uh, uh-uh. Lesson lesson learned. Um, you know, it's a good thing though. We found Tim. We found Starfish Taxi that night after Carnoustie, and they're the ones that delivered us bright and early to Ely the next day, which was yeah. was probably my favorite experience. Not my favorite golf course. I mean, the whole thing looks like magic postcards for golf. It's such a cool, quirky Lynx golf course, but. You know, it's not a championship course. It stretches out to, I don't know, 62 or 6,400 yards, I think, at its longest. Um, No par fives? Was nine? Okay. I couldn't remember if nine was a a, a big four or par five. It was uh, into the wind, boy. Nine was a four. Okay. For you, it was a 12. That was your jockey shot hole. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) 12. Uh, but you know, we we did the the tourist thing. We, I know one of you guys took a look through the periscope in the clubhouse. That's just a such a unique, cool feature. Um, learn to love blind shots. I, I, in retrospect, you know, at first I, I looked at the maps like, well, what are these two holes over here by themselves? Okay, one you've got this. You're hitting over a, a large hill, um, down way down to a green, but that. That walk up to the second green, and, yep. and Matt, I think you were the one that pointed this out to me. If you just keep your eyes fixed on the horizon as you're walking up that green, it's almost magical what you see at Ely. Uh, it's it's gorgeous. It was and it was totally by accident. It was because I hit a terrible, you know, first shot or ter- a terrible second shot, left myself well short, and had to pitch up that hill. And so I was I was kind of starting halfway up that hill, coming into two green. And so I was looking for you, I, for whatever. I think I was trying to figure out where you were so I didn't skull you with a golf ball. And uh, so I'm keeping my eyes, obviously, very, you know, very low. And you see the hill. And as you start to crest the hill, you see the uh, the, the the first in the background. So you get the, the glittering blue water. And you can kind of see Edinburgh on the other side. And then as you continue up the hill... The, the little coastal town comes into view with the you know the the classic church in the middle of it and, and these the quaint little houses there um, and then you kind of get the golf course building in right on that so you you get all these different layers just as you walk up that hill and it helps that the sun was at that perfect angle where everything was glistening and you know it couldn't have been more picturesque yeah that that is a reveal. Um, and I thought the real fun, the golf shots really started on three, that cool little par three that you, Matt Cheney, just decided to put the neighborhood in danger twice. They're fine folks over there. They really are. You know, they help you find your golf ball when you hit it in their garden. It's delightful. You know, what What did you think, Fred, when you when we saw that Vista standing on the third tee box? Um, that's, that was probably, I mean, if you go back and and I could look at one hole, you know, for the rest of my life, that, that view from up there was awesome looking down and, you know, so it was a long par three, right? And, uh, so I pull out my three wood and I give it one heck of a whack and I think I'm going to fly over the road and everything else. And it comes up like 50 yards short, um, real, real punch in the gut, but you know, Nothing better than seeing that guy over there along the road 
leaning his head out of his second story window, yelling at Matt and pointing down and saying his ball is in his flower bed right under the, fr- the window. It was a friendly yell. You, know, you make him sorry. He wasn't yelling. It was just, you know, it was, it was Scottish for what are you doing, you idiot. You know? Oh, it was great. Oh, uh, that was a good time. You know, there are so many individual shots on that course, and, and it's a treeless course, if I'm remembering correctly. You know, there were, you know, if you were on high ground, you could see several holes, probably several greens, several tees. And I think part of the that allowed some of the fun of the recovery shots. I mean, playing in a, a 15, 18 mile an hour breeze all day, um, the ball was going to go sideways a few times. But you, you were never, you know, it's not like you had to pitch out sideways ever. You always had the chance to to do something fun. Um, I'm convinced, you know, there are lots of memorable holes and shots, but that that little corner down there where you hook around the corner, where from the top of the hill at 10 fairway down to the green, you know, we drove mm-hmm. that green basically with, I think I hit a five wood or a hybrid and drove it the first when I didn't know where it was going, and then you've got that that beautiful little tiny short par three. And then you start back down the coast towards that mountain. That is one of the, for me, one of the prettiest, most special little corners of earth. I mean, you've got the sea crashing against you as you're standing on 10 green and 11 tee box. You're down below the wind a little bit, so you can kind of catch your breath and relax a little bit. There's this stunning castle-like manor house right there on the corner. Um, And then you've got the sea uh, kind of setting in the sun, reflecting, like you said, that was that's something that'll always stick with me. You know, that's when I when I think of that course, the the high points of it, and those aren't necessarily the most famous holes at Ely, but that little corner is just it just something that I'll never I mean, forget. To to me, if those are not the most famous holes at Ely, they should be. Um, <laughs> and it's exactly what you described. It, it, you know, and again, I was playing like hot garbage the first time we played it and yet even when even there i was able to forget that a little bit um you know because you come down 10 like you said with the the cliffs behind 10 have some old ruins from god knows when perched way out on them um and 11 11 was the shortest part three we played i think any of our rounds in scotland it's you know you could almost throw it to the green from uh from the tee box and so when you're standing on 12T, you've got all of that kind of, you know, a stone's throw behind you. And I, when I think of holes that I would play every single day and they would never get old, 12 to me is that hole. It cuts, it's a, you know, kind of dog legs left, wraps around the firth, but the wind is rolling in from the left. So you got to either have the stones to start it over the water and let the wind push it back, or you're going to, you know, have a run in with the bunkers that guard the right side. Um, and also leave yourself a heck of a second shot. If you don't try to cut that corner. Uh, and then you, you know, again, you take the, the mountain that's, uh, beyond the green, you've got that view in there. It was just, I mean, there's a lot of wonderful holes that we played. Twelve is on that list, and, and again, we played Carnoustie and the old course, and lots of lots of wonderful, you know, whole, you know, wonderful courses and historic places. Twelve's on the list at Ely for sure. Yeah. Um, what was it that the uh, the pro told us when before we teed off? He's, you know, he asked us, you know, where we were playing, and we had told him, you know, we were just coming from Carnoustie the day before, and we were going to the old course in a couple of days. He said something that stuck with me. He said that, um, you know, they have a lot of members there that you know are members elsewhere too, and um, a lot of the members would say, or or somebody, uh, he quoted somebody's name maybe, that said that you know. Um, playing St. Andrews and Carnoustie and all that stuff, he would go and play those whenever he could. But if he had one course to play the rest of his life, he would have chose Ely. And um, to Matt's point, you know, like he said, 12, he would play that hole hole every day. I think, I think Ely had a lot of holes like that. There was a lot of holes that you could say, you know, I could play this four or five different ways. And you know what, with the wind that probably comes through there, you probably have to play in four or five different ways. Yeah, what what I remember he said was we told him we'd played North Berwick, 
and he said that uh, Ely probably isn't as hard as North Berwick. It's probably got some more challenge to it, but it's not as pretty as Ely. And, you know, I, I think that's right. North Berwick is flat and basically at sea level, whereas Ely, you know, it's a good hard walk. You know, from the scale in the hill that's right, you know, in front of the, the clubhouse for one and two. Um, and then uh, after 12, 13 is the whole you, – you play to the foot of that mountain um, mm-hmm. and walk up to the green, higher to the tee box, kind of make your way back uphill, slide down back and forth. Um, everywhere, you know, uh, that is the – the course of which I have the most photos in my files. You know, you can look at how many files there are within my my various golf course folders. And that one, I think I took like 120 pictures. I mean, it, everywhere I looked, I just, <laughs> just snapped a picture because it was all beautiful and there was some context. And somebody's ball had been there because we did not – one of the funny things – we probably had the fewest conversations at Ely because we couldn't hear anything. That wind was howling. <laughs> you know, if you were 20 feet in front of me and you weren't turned around and looked at me, you could, I could scream at the top of my lungs, Matt, and you couldn't have heard me. No, we, 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 I believe we came up with our own sort of hand signals, semaphore. There was, there was all sorts of communication going on there that, uh, that I believe was spur of the moment. Cause yeah, you're right. No, you couldn't that if you were on the wrong side of that wind, man, it was, it was bad news for communication as well as probably my golf shot. What the pro called a gentle breeze, a slight breeze. <laughs> I think he said, yes, I think he did. You know, the, that is really good wrinkly ground. You know, there are certain fairways that there are just no flat spots there. You know, I've played some Pete Dye courses here in the States. The Wolf out in outside Las Vegas comes to mind where they intentionally kind of micro-contoured everything. So you're never – the ball and your feet are never pointing the same direction or you're never flat. And there was a lot of that at Ely. I'm trying to think if there was one design feature because all the bunkers were different shape. Uh, all the greens were different shape. There were some blind shots. There were shots over the water. Um, I and thinking about this all day today, you know, there's a playground element to it. It feels like if someone took the cradle down at Pinehurst and made a full size course out of it, you'd get yeah. Ely. Yeah, I could see that. And the, and the best part about that, you know, yeah, there's there's all these different design features. Not one part of it feels manufactured. You know, it, it it felt as natural as it, even, you know, you got the, what is it, five that has the mogul fairway where it's just up and down and side to side. And I don't know how they mow it. I'm not sure that they're setting sheep loose out there to keep that thing short or what, but I can't imagine trying to drive something through there. Um, but again, well, nothing, it feels like it all should be there. Yeah. Uh, to that point, Matt, there on number five, uh, where I hit it to the left, they don't know it. <laughs> no, it was, it was small miracles we both, because I was over there with you. That's, you know, the second time Matt and I went around, I remember distinctly aiming at some of those houses. It's like a 15 or 20 degree angle right, and the wind brought it back over to the left side of the fairway. It was some of the most incredible. Um, and you just at that point you just got to laugh. I mean, you can't be mad at the result if you put a good stroke on it. Um, but yes, that was that little straight. And then sixth, that little blind green was it? it is either I think it was six. Uh, that you know you played up and you had the the rock wall on the left, kind of out short of short par four. Yeah. Yeah, which should be out of play. One of you hit one up there, but Cheney probably. When you, that's when I believe that was me. Yeah. Your, your wheels started coming off. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's when he fired up the old chili cooker right there, folks. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a blind green just because it kind of sits in a valley at the end of the fairway. Like the fairway kind of slopes gently, 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 and then there's like a slide. It'd be the perfect, thir- you know, thirty feet of sledding in the winter because um, the thing the darn thing's hidden it's like you're hitting into the sea that's uncomfortable for me i don't want to hit it in the sea <laughs> um you know that was so that was a good hard walk i the um but again my if i had a complaint and it's not really a complaint just an observation that i would do differently too many scots park their cars behind the 18th green this was this was another course where there was now, we were, there weren't that many people. It wasn't a busy day because of the conditions we've described. 
But it, besides Matt hitting the houses, having a car park right behind the 18th green when guys are a little tired, might be a little aggressive, trying to go for it, trying to square up a match. That's that's an I'd put a pond back there, put a dune, manufacture something. I would feel a lot more comfortable. Fred, did you have any other thoughts on on the course at Ely? Anything that stuck out with you that we haven't mentioned? Um, you know, no. I mean, I, to Matt's point, you know, walking the course and and seeing some of the old houses that are there, and you know, being that close to to that town, and you could tell that that town had been there for quite some time, right? That town has been there, has seen a lot of history. Um, and the course, and the course has been there the whole time. Um, it, it was, it was like you said earlier, it was a, it was a picturesque setting. Um, and I, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, it was a great walk. It was a great round of golf. We all, you know, the course record is not in, in danger, as you like to say, Dave, That's right. but, um, but it was, it was supremely enjoyable. You break the course record your first time around. They don't invite you back, Fred. <laughs> That's right. Well, we should all have standing invitations then. That's, you know, what I would take an invitation to is that soup and sandwich after the round. That was, as far as in-club or clubhouse food, um, for those of you that might be curious, when you are a member for a day at uh, Ely, Golf Clubhouse Ely, that comes with a meal. Now, we, we ate breakfast at the other little clubhouse uh, next door, so that means we could have lunch at Ely. And I didn't know that it was legal to butter the bread that you put a chicken or egg salad on. But that was the best egg salad sandwich that I've <laughs> ever had, precisely because there was at least three ounces of butter uh, <laughs> on the inside of that sandwich, uh, you know, probably keeping things neat and tidy. So that 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 cool little guest lunchroom, and we weren't the only guys in there. One of the other groups that finished ahead of us was in there, but I thought that was just the way they took care of us. It was different. It was a little more proper than Carnoustie's Club, uh, for sure. And Fred, you can kind of you got some insight into that um, later that afternoon. But that was that was nice. That if our day had stopped there, that would have been a good end to the day. I felt like. Uh, yeah, it was it was great. Um, I, I believe, as we talked earlier, I believe uh, our I, would you call him? I don't know if waiter is the proper term, um, but the guy who was kind of running the the clubhouse and the food and the drinks and stuff. I believe his name was Colin. Um, uh, delightful young man. Delightful. And uh, what about the guys that were sitting next to us? I think they were from. I think they were from Edinburgh, remember? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they were they were they were kind of like what we would be at one of our local places with three or four of our buddies, right? They were just giving each other the the what for and um, settling up some bets and and you know the classic you know bitching and moaning that goes on, I guess. Um, but they were you know they were super friendly. They started talking and when you and uh, Dave, when you and Matt decided you guys were going to go back out. I was like, mm, you know what? I think I'm good. Um, and Colin, you know, he he kept me well lubricated and uh, talked to those guys from uh, from Edinburgh for probably about an hour and a half to two hours before they left. And uh, Colin was uh, Colin was uh, bringing in the different spirits from the different parts of the island and asking me what my opinion of them was. And they were all super tasty. Um, he even uh, the highlight of that for me was um, he's that uh, he's like, hey, um, do you want to go over and see the uh, members, uh, the members room or members section? And I was like, really? I was like, I don't you know, I don't I don't have a jacket. He's like, oh, there's no one here. Come with me. Um, so he takes me over and goes into the member section where the, they have their own bar and these windows that look out over 18 green and um he was showing me trophies and like club trophies and uh, and um, uh, medals and stuff like that that were in the uh, showcases, and I, I mean I was flabbergasted by the dates on these things. I looked at them. I was like, "You have trophies in here that are older than the country that I came from." Um, it was amazing to see the history that they had in that little tiny clubhouse. Um, they had pictures on the wall of uh, former captains um, 
and there were there were sheriffs. Uh, I, I, I believe by me saying that, 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 that title means something different than it does in the States. It's just not a police officer. I believe that title is a little different, but there were several sheriffs involved. Um, it was, it was great. I mean, usually when a guy sits and says, Hey, you know, I'm not going to go back out and play. You guys go, you know, he's waiting for his buddies to get back. Uh, I was not, I was, I was, uh, completely entertained, waiting for you guys to get done. And we were glad for it. Uh, if I remember correctly, Fred came out and joined us on the 18th green there, Matt. And direct quote, hey, did you guys know that whiskey is cheaper than beer here? <laughs> first, first words out of his mouth. I did say that. I did. That was that – was, I was surprised, Dave. I was surprised. <laughs> uh, but, you know, for – for anybody that's listened to episode uh, one with Graylin Loomis, this is Ely was the ultimate testament to his Loomis method of instead of hurrying around and trying to go see some other course nearby, you know, running down to London or, or leaving links, you know, just spend the day there and kind of soak it in. We soaked it in on the course with some extra holes. Fred got all the character of the club uh, and the hospitality there. And what, you know, just what a neat place. I, I've talked with people and said, if you're going to join a club over there, I think Ely's the one I'd want to join just because it's that course would be so fun to play every day. But that's, you know, that's not one that's offering Americans just overseas memberships willy nilly. You know, that's a pretty exclusive club over there in Scotland. Um, but they took you wouldn't know it by the way they treated us. Uh, that was my lasting impression. Was there anything anything left unsaid about Ely, Matt? No, I don't think so. I think, I think you know, again, the, the picture that I would paint on the way out is just a, a little bit more laid back course, um, centered, centered more around a fun round than the history that, that is there. And by far the most picturesque that we played. We, you hear us complaining about the the wind, but it was a bright, bright sunny day. Like if we didn't, if we didn't have everything covered except our noses and cheeks, it would have been a sunscreen day just because of the. Um, it was that nice. Uh, again, that probably my favorite overall experience. Um, golf course club culture day, all of that probably goes to Ely. And that's that's saying something for the, you know, the courses that we played while we were over there. Fred, what about you? Any any parting shots on the Ely day? Um, no, I, I would have to agree with you. I mean, I uh, looking back, you know, that was that was really fun. I mean, even even the, the drive over there, um, drive over there was fun. You know, the excitement of going to it. I had read about the course and um super excited it started off great you know the the guys and i guess it would be the so what was that little where we went when we first got there we walked in and it was like a pro shop i guess and then they told us we had to walk around the corner to where the periscope was to to check in and then we went to the clubhouse to where they were where the food and everything else was from there. So there's three separate little buildings there. Um, like the, the sports club or something like that. They yeah, the, yeah. the Earl's Ferry Club or something like that because there's a, a little family, kind of an exec course next door to yeah. the, the Ely course. Um, that's right. And we had we found a little cafe and, and had some uh, – just a short breakfast. And then – yeah, then because it was a Saturday. And the reason – I wanted to play Ely anyway, but the reason we played it when we did, um, you know, that's a tourist town. Most of the members had gone home and weren't going to be playing in that weather, and it was the only place that would let us on on a Saturday. I mean, Saturday is club competition day in that part of Scotland. Everybody gets out uh, and plays matches. So I guess their sort of busy member season had had concluded and everybody was back to was south to Edinburgh or England or wherever they were from um, so we we're just very fortunate almost by just happenstance that we got out and I'm certainly glad we did as you no doubt heard this was a really fun episode to record you know every course we played in Scotland was special and they were all great in my opinion 
but the overall experiences at Carnoustie and at Ely were simply incredible. Honestly, those two places left the most indelible images in my memory bank. Carnoustie was fun precisely because it was difficult. The challenge was immense, but so was the satisfaction of solving those challenges as you made your way around the golf course. And it wouldn't have been the same if not everyone we'd encountered was so great, from the golf course staff to the caddies to the members and staff over at the Carnoustie Club and its captain, or its then-captain, Bill Thompson. At Ely, fun is the order of the day, and everything is presented with a genuine, quiet luxury. Everyone was helpful. Every part of the experience was top-notch. And the course occupies what I'm convinced is one of the most special little corners of Earth that you'll find anywhere. Hey, thanks for stopping by for another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. Reminder that you can interact with the show on Twitter at Blind Shots Pod or over on Instagram. Uh, you can find episodes to download over at BlindShotsPodcast.com and you can subscribe on any of the major uh, podcast feeds Apple, Google, Blueberry, Stitcher, tune in all of them. I hope you liked what you heard here today and that you'll subscribe and maybe tell a friend or share an episode on your social media feed. If you didn't like what you heard here today, sorry about that. Promise we will try to do better next time. I hope you'll join us the next time here on the Blind Shots podcast, but more importantly, I hope that you're being safe and smart and keeping sane out there. We will get through this. Someday this war against the coronavirus will end. Until then, whether you're playing golf safely now or simply daydreaming about it at some date in the future, do decide to go for it and take dead aim.